Hello, my name is Eduardo Delgado. I'm the host for Southern Progressive Politics. Um, I'm 19. I come from Adelia, Georgia, and uh, I have two Mexican parents. I'm currently I'm currently a student at Georgia Southern University, uh, and I'm a political science major with an international studies minor. Um, for the first podcast I'm doing, I want to talk about post-election of 2018. Uh, we just seen a couple races here in Georgia where recently our 6th Congressional District was overturned from uh, Karen Handel over to uh, Lucy McBath, which is one of the Congressional Districts we flipped. We're still waiting on the 7th Congressional District of Georgia to see if um, <clears throat> Carolyn Bordeaux was successful in taking down the current representative there. Um, in other news, here in Georgia, we have a congressional, I'm, I'm sorry, a gubernatorial race that still hasn't been called. Stacey Abrams is still in the race, refusing to concede to Brian Kemp. Um, uh, there are more votes to be counted, and, you know, every vote needs to be counted. Count every vote. And so, um, now we're looking at, you know, kind of the, the plan of the Democrats after this 2018 cycle where we gained over 30 seats in the House. So uh, I guess one of the first things that the um, the, congressional, uh, the congressional Democrats have to kind of overcome is leadership of the House. Who's going to be the next leader of the House? Um, if I had to guess, you know, it would probably Nancy Pelosi, you know, she's a favorite to, to be the next Speaker of the House. But what is fresh on the minds of the candidates, or, well, newly elected uh, congresspeople, uh, what were candidates, is that uh, Pelosi was used as a weapon uh, by the Republicans almost in every single congressional race in the country. I know here in the 12th Congressional District, we saw where, um, you know, the, the congressman here now, Rick Allen, used Pelosi and tied her to Francis Johnson, which was the uh, challenger, tied them together so that he could uh, say that Francis and Pelosi were going to, you know, have some kind of plan to to raise your taxes or, or something like that. And so now now what we're seeing is that a lot of these new ele- newly elected officials want to distance themselves from Pelosi. Um, you know, and I recently read a Time uh, article about the people who are going to oppose her, who have said that they're going to oppose her as the, uh, as they become new Congress people. And here currently I have a, a list of, of nine people that, that Time has, has listed. Uh, those nine are Tim Ryan, Sel- Seth Moulton. Kathleen Rice, Ed Permutter, Kurt Schrade, Fowlman Vela Jr., Marisha, um, Marisha Fudge, Bill Foster, and Brian Higgins. Now, no one is stepping up to be the next speaker against Pelosi, but these nine have said that they would oppose her. They would, they would, uh, they would vote for someone else to be speaker. If that was the case. 
So Pelosi's looking at some opposition here that we uh that we um a lot of people saw coming. Um if Pelosi is met with opposition though, with uh, a person running and uh she is seen as not the favorite anymore to win, uh she would step down and her whip, Steny Hoyer, uh would run. And, uh, you know, that that's her plan. But uh, Hoyer says he doesn't anticipate that situation. And I guess he's hoping not to do that. He's hoping that won't be the case. But what, uh, what should serve as the true question is if Pelosi is willing to embrace uh, progressives such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the... Uh, will she embrace them fully um, in her caucus... You know that's that's a question. Um, we we know that a lot of progressive a lot of progressives have just been elected to Congress, and a lot of them don't like Nancy Pelosi. So, if if leadership, if the current leadership, well, will be the current leadership, embraces the new progressives like AOC, um, then. Then can we see how it really will play out? You know, uh, the progressive wing of the of the of the Democratic Party is quite um, quite fierce in in the way they do politics. Uh, I can I myself consider myself a progressive, and uh, I agree with Alexandria Costa Cortez. And I believe that if Nancy Pelosi wants to remain Speaker, she has to fully embrace these people. Now, along with taking the House. Um, you know, the Democrats also get chairmanships. Um, the second question that needs to be raised is, will they play nice with the Republicans or will they oppose the president and his party? Um, so what I've read, in some indications that I've been given, is that they are going to play nice. Pelosi seems that she wants to meet in the middle. But... Um, it is not every day where we have a split house, uh, I'm sorry, split uh, legislative branch. The Republicans so control the Senate, and I think the Democrats should use, should use every single sort of uh, leverage in order to, to check the president, to make sure that they don't abuse their powers, or he doesn't abuse his powers, him and his administration, to the... Uh, to to the fullest extent that they can, I think the Democrats should use their power to govern, and keep the president in check. Yeah, it's possible to do both, but it's just seeing how uh, how it will play out. And the burden shouldn't fall fully on the Democratic Party or the Democratic uh, uh, Congress people to compromise. It should fall on the Republicans, as they are a majority of power. You know, they they still control the Senate. They they're in the presidency now. The burden should fall on them to meet in the middle. It shouldn't be the Democrats uh, only coming to the table offering, you know, compromise. Um, bipartisanship shouldn't mean, should, should mean compromise from both sides, not just from the Democratic Party. The Republican Party should also be prepared to budge on a couple of things if they want a, a successful uh, legislative session. The Democratic Party cannot keep offering the high ground on behalf of what the electorate, uh, on behalf of the, um, the Democratic Party cannot keep offering 
the high ground on behalf of half the electorate, while the other half directly jabs at the foundations of the cooperative two-party compromise. You know, I'm not a big fan of the of the um, two-party system, but I do believe that it can work in ways when um, when we see that both sides are willing to meet in the middle, not only one side. You know, it goes all back to what we should uh, what we should continue to see um, in 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 this two party system. But for the for the most part, um, <clears throat> for the most part, uh, Democrats should be weighing all their options currently when it comes to working with the Republicans. Whether that mean a compromise or whether that means uh, standing their ground. Um, I think the Democratic Party should be prepared for a fight either way, though. Um, that's all I have for this first episode, and I just want to thank you for joining me, and I look forward to doing more for everyone. Thanks.